Hello, and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, February 14th, 2014. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we discuss the relative merits of CSS grid systems and JavaScript libraries. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. How's it going? I just burned my tongue. <laughs> With your nuclear thermos again? <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. I think you'd think I'd know by now. Yeah, you got to be careful with that thing. I know. It's like no no outward indication by holding the outside of the cup how hot it is. Right. Mm. Tricky. <laughs> Every time you talk about that, I picture um, Homer Simpson, like his mouth wide open and his tongue like springing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like... like Ah! Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, that would not be an entirely inaccurate representation. Yeah. Well, cool. What's going on this week? Uh, I ordered a new board game. Nice. I know that's not a big surprise. I do that quite often. Yeah. Which one? King of Tokyo. Oh, right, right. Yeah, you sent me that link. It's another uh, Richard Garfield game. Is that it name? is, actually. And you, um, basically, you're you're playing monsters and trying to kill all the other monsters so you can control Tokyo. Hey, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Sounds good. I mean, someone's got to control Tokyo. Exactly. Might as well be my monster. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, we have uh, some uh, interesting stuff to talk about this week. Very web centric. After last week's uh, book review. Yeah. So the tools people in the crowd will probably be pretty interested. Um, but first, probably get, probably get a lot of hate for this one. Yeah, that's that's fine. I get. I already got. It's this, some of this stems from a, another slap fight on Twitter. So yeah, <laughs> I always like to talk about it on the podcast after the fact because they can't defend themselves. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Bully pulpit. Um, but I think I think we have a point. I'm not even sure how much you agree with me, so it'll be interesting since uh, you've got your own sort of CSS boilerplate. It would be uh, open to hearing that I'm an idiot. Um, but before we get to that, uh, do we have any housekeeping? Um, I don't think so. don't think we do. Next week should be pretty standard. Yeah. No travel or anything like that. Um, yeah, I, I guess the only... The only thing that, uh, only follow-up from last week or the week before even is, uh, you just sent me a video to the banana piano. Yes. Makey makey device, which seems like a perfectly, it seems like a perfect fit for the Raspberry Pi. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? For making bizarre computing devices to uh, sprinkle <laughs> yeah. around your home. Yeah, um, I thought it was interesting that you can, I, like I hadn't thought of it before, but you can use like the graphite and pencil lead as conductive material. Yeah, that's, so I guess it's like a, it's just like a little circuit board that you attach wires to particular areas with uh, alligator clips. So it's like super easy to do, and you know, it, uh, I guess the default front um, front controls, if you will, or connections are for what the space bar and a mouse, I think. Yeah, there's a space bar and a mouse, and I think there's like the arrow, arrow keys. keys. Yeah. 
So there's this hilarious video of people like attaching banana clips to like wads of clay and they like the dude made a, a giant Nintendo controller out of like Play-Doh. Yeah. And uh, there's just a ton of hilarious, hilarious uh, ideas in the video. The cat taking a picture of himself by sitting on a, <laughs> sitting on a, a piece of aluminum foil and like yeah. sticking his tongue in the water to create a connection that took a picture. So it's yeah, pretty I'm funny. Gonna- do something do something with my catering ram <laughs> yeah yeah i mean maybe you could just electrocute him yeah when he comes that, the that's, door. that's what i'm thinking <laughs> a mild shock <laughs> get out of here um yeah that reminds me i've often wondered why uh, uh, car alarm systems don't just electrocute the person who's touching the car i but, <laughs> yeah. I, I, but I digress yeah i um i fell down a hill once when i was a kid and rolled into an electric fence Ooh. <laughs> I got up really quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mother has an electric fence story. She's a farm girl. But, uh, yeah. This is a lot less dangerous, I think. Yeah, I think so. The banana, <clears throat> yeah, like, banana piano in particular. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, we, we also... We had a... You know, those, you know those electronic fences you get for pets? Sure, yeah. Yeah, we have, we have a wireless one, which actually works better than the wired ones. Um, for various reasons, because then they can't jump the fence. What do you mean um, wireless? Um, oh, it's I like mean, a geofence. Yeah, there's like a there's like a wireless base station, and then as long as the receiver on the caller is getting the signal, oh, it doesn't electrocute your dog. <laughs> but when they <laughs> like when they start to go switch. out of range, yeah, yeah. But it only does it when there's a gradual drop in signal, like from like when they're getting farther away. If it's a sudden drop off, like a power outage, it doesn't do anything. Oh, smart. Yeah, that yeah. would be that would be embarrassing. Yeah, but with like with one that's got the wire buried in the ground, you know, the, the dog can jump it, and then you know they're they're free to go wherever. Yes, and this, I have this seen one, that happen. This one, when they get out of range, it just like keeps keeps on keeping on <laughs> for thirty seconds, I think. But anyway, wow. anyway, we first got it. Richard was like, "Yeah, I I can't in good conscience put this on the dog until I know how much it's going to hurt." Mm. So. so I couldn't get him to strap it around his neck, mm-hmm. but he did hold it in his hand and walk out. Out of range, and it, you know, I mean, it, it gave him a good jolt, but nothing, nothing horrible. But hmm. I will say, our, <laughs> our dog is very smart. She got zapped one time, and that's it. Right? Yeah, they learn pretty quick. Yeah, except for Elvis, he's too stupid. But yeah, well, Elvis is my special needs dog. <laughs> well, electrocuting organisms for fun and profit. Yeah, yeah, that that's completely unrelated to anything. I don't know how I got on that tangent, so let's just move on. All right. Uh, yes, let's move on to the, let's jump right into the featured content. See if we can't determine, uh, exactly how much of a jerk I am. Yeah. Um, well, I'm the one over here zapping my animals. So <laughs> I'm sure I'll get some hate for that. But well, that's not as bad as starting a fight on the internet, don't you think? No, not nearly as bad. I mean, we don't use it on the stupid dog and the other dog only got zapped once, so. That's true. Maybe you could have the color set so if he leaves range, people flame him. On he's his like blog. post on Twitter. Yeah, they troll him on his blog. They shame him on Twitter. Yeah. Right, exactly. There you go. Bad dog. Get back in the yard. Bad dog. <laughs> There's a thought. <laughs> the Twitter shaming caller. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, so this all started, This the concept that we're going to talk about here all stemmed from a, a sort of frustration uh, on my part, which I vented on Twitter, which is always a bad idea. <laughs> but um, 
I was, I don't know what I was, I was reading some, somebody going on and on about grid systems or whatever. And I was just, and it just like struck me that it's like the problem that calls the problem that a grid system solves and correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the problem that a, that a grid system solves is that there's too much stuff on the page. And you know, if you, and, and I say this with a deep affection for uh, Ethan Marcotte and Brad Frost and Dan Mall and all of my designer friends who have made 10 pounds of S fit in a five pound bag um, on really popular, large, responsive websites, you know, homepages where essentially you're aping uh, or the client is forcing you to ape a old school newspaper columnar design. Mm. And I feel like, I feel like the problem isn't solved. I feel like the solution to the problem is to like have less content there. But I mean, maybe I'm just like idealistic or crazy, uh, but I don't know, like, like does a grid, so question, so question to you being a much more mm-hmm. designer than me, does it, it, does a grid pro a grid system solve a problem other than making a lot of content organized? Other than making, well, no, that's the whole point is to organize content. That is the whole point, right? Like yeah, to make yeah, a ton of I, content look, I mean, right, right. I mean, you can, there's, it's, it's perfectly reasonable that you may want, you may have a, a small to medium amount of content that you want to have arranged in columns mm-hmm. and which I don't think that's really what you're talking about because that's easy enough to just, just yeah. kind of do in the CSS. I think right. you're talking about like a full grow, a full blown grid system. Right. Like, have, like, like columns Boston Globe. And spans and, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, so, I mean, yeah. Yeah. It just feels like, it feels like one of the, it feels like a, a the last, uh, it feels like a vestige of the Photoshop era of web design where somebody says, Hey, uh, you know, all of these departments want all their stuff on the homepage above the fold. So oh, I hate that. Phrase. So, so figure it out. Yeah, I know, but it's, that's what happens in the I client. Know, but meetings. every time someone says above the fold, I want to punch them. Yeah, but that's, I know, but th- that's there what there is I, no fold. There's like a million different screen sizes. And right. I know that's the whole point. That's why I think, <laughs> I know. that's why I think a grid system is kind of like, I understand that people use it as a tool to accomplish the goals of the client, but I feel like the goals are wrong. This is not saying that every web page should just be one giant column of content. No, not necessarily, but I feel like a lot of web pages should have less content on them. I think there are lots of web pages that have they're bloated with content. Content for the sake of content. Yeah, like we have this giant screen, let's fill it with stuff. And you give all these departments that are like, Okay, I want I want to be on there and you mm. know you know, it's a, it's like a it's very common in large organizations for everybody to want to be on the homepage. Yeah, everybody wants to be featured on the homepage. But not only do I think that notion of a homepage is kind of nineties uh, ish, you know, like the homepage is some prime real estate. When you think of like social media and SEO, the those links are going to deep link into specific posts or product pages or blog posts or, or whatever, a lot of people are not even going to ever end up on your homepage. Yeah. So a lot of people will, but it's not the, it's not the primary driver. So as much as it was at one time. Right. So I I I, I know I'm not going to, I know this is not an argument I can win, but my, I think my goal in, uh, in bringing it up is that there's more, more ways than one to 
skin the cat with the problem that a grid system solves. And and one of them could be to say, hey, maybe we should prune this content a little bit and come <laughs> yeah. up with a design that's a little bit more um, flexible and not as jam-packed. Yeah, my my issue my issue is not with the grid as a layout tool because, like I said, even with a small amount of content, you may want to may want to have columns or, or that kind of thing. It's it's not the grid as a layout tool. My my issue is with the the grid systems, various various HTML CSS grid systems that exist. And the issue that you have with them is is that uh, like class like this, they're bulky and messy. And I mean, yeah, like. For all the extra markup you get in there, you might as well just be do tables. Right, <laughs> I know. It's like it's like you know Jeffrey Zeldman and friends convinced us to stop using tables, but we still want the data or the info to be yeah, laid like out now like a table. Are replicating tables with, with, with divs. Right, and or yes, yes, but divs now with like mass, like you know, a page of class names. So, because right. you get a responsive design, it's like, okay, what this div, this div is like, if if we're on an extra large screen, then this is going to be, uh, you know, left column two. And if this is uh, a medium screen, then it's going to be center column four. And, you know, and you end up writing like a massive amount of, of, it's just like a huge amount of like class names to be at. I don't know. The whole thing just, the whole thing just feels, it feels like backwards. a bad fit. It feels, it feels backwards, yeah. Yeah, it feels like even, a bad fit. Yeah, even if you start, quote unquote, mobile first, you know, and start with the small screen first, the 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 sort of the sort of nomenclature and the the markup and there's a word I never thought I'd use in a while, um, <laughs> and the markup and all that, it just it feels like it feels like the whole thought process process is backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, no, you know, start with start with a single column of stuff when your screen really small. Drag your screen until it starts to look like crap at a break point. Mm-hmm. You know, leather, rinse, repeat. And if you end up with columns of things, great. If you end up with columns of things at larger screens, great. If you don't, that's great, too. You know? <laughs> yeah. So the, here's the funny thing that like and I agree. I totally agree with you. When you hit the break point, do something to make it not look like crap. But there are a couple things you could do. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you know, I'm a big fan of just making the text bigger. And that that is, it sort of comes across as childish. But uh, at the same time, like adding more stuff to the page, I don't know. It, uh, it, everything always boils down to like what your business goals are and, and like the organizational structure and, you know, like all the internal politics and all, all of that stuff. And I totally understand that. But I, and, and that there are times when I would say, yeah, I want to use a grid system, but it's, it, I feel like it's the, it feels like a default position the way that it was, or maybe even still is a default position to start a web design with a thousand pixel wide Photoshop document. And like, like, okay, you know, it's, it's too much thought around the container for my taste mm-hmm. and not enough thought around, uh, not enough ig- ignoring the container and being like, you know, I just, just, I have no idea what this is going to show up on. And it's kind of like for the amount of effort that you're going to put into, um, uh, making it work, uh, and it almost always goes hand in hand with someone who's super perfectionist. Like, oh, you know, this, oh, the, the gutter is a little bit too narrow between column one and two. Can you tweak that a little bit? 
Yeah, see, that that used to be me back when we only had desktop browsers. Yeah, yeah, totally. That was me too. But now, like, that illusion of control has been completely obliterated. But but I think we still have this sort of vestigial behavior of, of, well, we still want it to look like a newspaper on a big screen. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, but uh, no, nah, I'm not wrong. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just talking about the default position. I, I just want people to question their default position and, yeah. and not just automatically start off with, you know, a megabyte of CSS. Right. Right. I mean, from a from a design perspective, I see it as a as a useful tool, but I also do not um, do not like the way complex grid systems are implemented. And I think a lot of times, you know, people are kind of like the default to something like bootstrap or foundation mm-hmm. and, and, and use that without, you know, like, okay, well maybe I need columns here, but do I really need this grid system where that requires me to write, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of class names and like four or five wrapper containers. And so when I can just like, you know, at a float. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's probably what bothers me about it is how much it affects the markup. I really, mm-hmm. really don't like that. I really don't like as soon as you, is <clears throat> my cat. What? Added again. My uh. cat is at it again. He must know when we're recording. Yeah. Or maybe you're just, you just don't notice it unless we're recording. It may be. Yeah. It's like new car syndrome. So, I mean, I know this is not, I know that people are just going to like flat out dismiss what I'm saying, but my goal, my goal, if I have a goal is to just have people like say, you know what, do I really, maybe I can have a conversation with the client about, you know, there's just too much stuff on this page because there, there are other, um, the, the ramifications of having too much stuff on a page also feeds into like the page load time and, uh, you know, the uh, debugging across multiple platforms There are a whole bunch of problems that having an enormous amount of content on a page create. Mm-hmm. And if you could just nip that one thing in the bud and say, you know what, can we just split this into three pages that yeah. are more sensible, then you've solved a ton of problems. Um, but you know, if you can't, then, you know, reach for your tools and, and slap a grid system in. But if you've at least tried to solve what I consider to be the root problem, then we're friends. We're not in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> You're not saying don't use it. Just just don't default to it without thinking. Yeah, it consider it, you know. Right. So there's that. I think I think my tweet said, show me a page that needs a grid system and I'll show you a page that has too much content on it. Right. So I and yeah. I stand by that statement, but I realize <laughs> that you have to ignore it sometimes. Oh, I redesigned my website a couple of weeks ago. That is like yeah, it's like a stop. monthly thing for you. I know. And did you use a grid system? <laughs> no, I did not. I have I have a couple of columns, but no, I did not use a grid system. Yeah. So I mean, uh, well, whatever. People can just go look at any like page that I design and completely dismiss everything I say because they all <laughs> they're all very utility. Like I'm from the I'm from the Craigslist school of web design. Craigslist school of design. Yeah. yeah, it's just like I'm like a Google versus I'm more of a Google <laughs> than an Apple guy. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. It's very, very iOS 70 of you. Nice and... Uh, you think so? Oh, yeah. Airy, thin font. I don't know. Not a bad way. It's not as flat. Yeah, I guess you get that bar at the top. No, I like it. 
people should visit kellyshaver.com and Kelly tell, her, tell her that she should have a grid system. It's Kelly with one eye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I love that joke. <laughs> I know, it never gets old. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully someday it'll be Kelly with one bionic eye. Yeah. One Google eye. One Google eye. Um, all right, so sort of on the same, sort of on the same topic, um, JavaScript libraries, and we have certainly ranted about them this in the past and talked about our default position, which is to, you know, only include JavaScript libraries that you're really using. Mm-hmm. And there have been a, there's been a lot of back and forth about this lately. Um, Paul Irish and uh, it's just a bunch of developers talking about kind of like a you might not need jQuery movement. And, uh, you know, I use jQuery a lot. And, uh, and a lot of times I don't use jQuery and it just totally depends. But I never just slap it into a project as a first step. It's not like in my boilerplate code and I just like automatically use it. Right. Uh, if I can use vanilla JavaScript for what I'm doing, if vanilla JavaScript is more appropriate, then that's what I'm going to use. And I've started to notice that there's a... Um, there's kind of a split between the types of development that I do that call for vanilla JavaScript and the ones that call for jQuery, which I think might be interesting to kind of talk through. Okay. Um, there's a, there's a great post called, I think it's called vanilla JavaScript that we'll link to in the show notes that describes the BBC's cut the mustard test, as they call it, mm-hmm. where they have a core experience they, they developed a core experience that works with, without JavaScript at all. And then they do a JavaScript test to see if your browser cuts the mustard, so to speak. And I think what they do is they, uh, I think they check for query selector all, um, oh, uh, query selector all, class list, and there was one other thing. But they check for a few things that most modern browsers have and a lot of older browsers don't have. And if you have all three of those things, then um, you get the JavaScript file. And that enhances the experience. So it takes very much the progressive enhancement approach that we espouse. Um, and, and okay, so there you go. So, so what you end up with there is that you, you get a very, potentially very different experience across different devices. Uh, and, that, and that's the way that works. Um, then there's another kind of project that I see cropping up where, and this especially, especially happens in client work where you, so the first, the first type of project can be difficult to convince the client to get on board with because it's an all or nothing approach, basically it, well, it's a, it's a very a versus B approach. So like lots of, lots of devices, older devices, Kindles and older Blackberries and just older phones, uh, and in even IE six, let's say are going to get access to the content, but it's not going to be polished up the way that they think of it. So like usually in a, in a client meeting, when you are going over wireframes and designs and stuff, you're designing the, the enhanced experience and nobody even cares about the, the, nobody really even talks about like the, let's call it the crappier one. So the HTML only one, but as long as it works, that's great. So nobody, nobody gets rejected, let's say from the, uh, from the, access to the content or whatever. But if you are on, um, you know, if, if you're on a fancy device, you get something like uh, a touch enabled 
um, swipeable slideshow with sticky finger animations, as opposed to on the HTML only experience, you just get a list of, you know, an unordered list of photos with captions. Mm -hmm. So it, the, the output of that is if people, so if somebody, if there's like a, this isn't the only reason, but let's just say there's a control freak at the client who sees the HTML only experiences like this is not acceptable. Um, I'd rather show nothing than show this type of person. They don't usually come out and say it like that, but it basically they're like, they're like, if we can't deliver the same experience across all devices, or if we can't de deliver, if your, if your device doesn't fit into the category where we can deliver the kind of experience that I want, then F you. Yeah. Basically. And Brad, you know, you know Brad's got a great post. when I see that attitude in web developers. Yeah, it blows my I see mind. see it a lot. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Right. I can sort of see it from a client, you know, like a marketing person or someone who's obsessed with Pixel Perfect, uh, you know, somebody who's also designing yeah. print materials and signage and, and, and the website. And, you know, they're like, oh, well, no, it doesn't. It, our logo needs to conform to the, the spacing rules around the text and text. The font has to be exactly this size and this font. And that's that. And if the line height's not perfect, then it's not going live. And I just think that is a dying, uh, that's a print mentality. It is. So, so anyway, so then there's this other approach and I can, I can understand it from, uh, I can understand where it comes from, even though I disagree with it from the JavaScript community or the web developer community, because it's too, it feels like it's too much work to, um, to support all these devices. So they say, forget it. I'm only going to, I'm going to deliver nothing to people who don't have JavaScript enabled, for example. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is you, if you are in a position where, you're required to deliver more or less the identical experience across um, multiple devices. Let's say the identical responsive experience. So on every phone of a, of a similar size, the, the, you know, touch is going to work and the slideshows are going to swipe. And, you know, I did, and, uh, on all medium sized tablets, the experience is going to be the same and all desktops, the experience can be the same for regardless of if you're on a Mac or PC or IE or, or whatever, Chrome, Firefox. And every browser that the that the client tests in or sees it in, it needs to look this like the stuff they approved. And in a case like that, which is extremely common, uh, jQuery is a godsend. Yeah. Because you can't you can't do a cut the mustard test really. You need to you basically just say you say if you've got Java if you don't have JavaScript, you're out. Sorry. If you do have JavaScript, jQuery is going to paper over all the differences and I can just write jQuery stuff to deal with all of the wacky differences between different browsers. And so when you see people talk about this online, uh, like like uh, Paul Irish just posted, uh, I'll see if I can find the tweet and link to it. He was like, he was like, it's fine if you use j vanilla JavaScript as long as you make sure you, you address all of these bugs. And he links to a list of like a, a typical jQuery list of bugs that have been fixed recently. And it's like, a, as mm -hmm. long as your arm, I mean, there's like right. a million bugs that jQuery <laughs> deals with. Right. And I'm like, no, nah, that's missing the point. The point is not that that that's the point. If you're trying to create the same experience everywhere. Yeah. The, in, in as the, many the places as possible. The point you're trying to make is that you don't need to create that same experience everywhere. Exactly. Unless the client insists that you do, in which case right. jQuery is like, a, you almost can't not use it because you'd end up rewriting it, you know? And uh, so that, that distinction between um, a progressive enhancement approach and a kind of, kind of like same everywhere approach, uh, I feel like people who, 
people who that's that's where the divide is coming from people who say you don't always need jquery are the kind of people who build progressively enhanced sites Mm-hmm. And people who say you, you're crazy not to use jQuery are people who are trying to cover A, B, and C grade browsers, which is a huge list of browsers, yeah. um, in a way that is more or less identical across all similar devices. Uh, the problem with that is, I, I suppose, that it, doing that makes it difficult to also do a cut the mustard test. It, if you do that, what you end up doing is trying to degrade gracefully instead of progressively enhancing a core experience. Mm-hmm. And that is usually a mess because if you're going if you're going to require JavaScript for your core experience, you're almost almost certainly not going to have the HTML that you need or the markup that you need to deliver an HTML only experience. It's going to be all like it's going to be all like non semantic uh, or stuff that gets AJAX together after the fact. Um, at least that's been my experience. Is that that. If you're going to require JavaScript, people don't care as much about the the sort of setup of their markup because they're just going to mess with it at runtime anyway. Yeah, you start to um, you there's a tendency, I think, to sort of start to take shortcuts. Yeah, you get well. You don't have to. It's nice because you don't have right. to worry about the markup because and, and typically it's someone else's problem, so you don't have to coordinate with that person. Uh, so. You can cure a lot of sins after the fact with JavaScript if you have like uh, if you're working with like, as you know, working with a large publishing mm-hmm. client. Um, a lot of times you can't control the markup that you're getting because it's pumped out of some CMS that's 15 years old and you know it just was designed for the desktop and has has like tags in the content. Right. So you have no choice but to mess with it after the fact with JavaScript. So, I mean, my personal default position is to take a progressive enhancement approach where you can, but I certainly, and I know you do also have, we have projects where that's not, that is not going to reach that they will not, um, address the business goals. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to take the sort of like, if you don't have JavaScript enabled, then too bad for you. Come back with a better phone. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have I have one project in particular that I'm that I've been working on for a while and it's just <coughs> if you don't have javascript, I mean that that's exactly what we do. Yeah. So, sorry, you don't you don't have javascript and you know, come come back with a different device. Mm-hmm. And I've I felt bad about it from from day 1, but the the nature of the application in terms of the the, the business decisions that have been made. It's mm-hmm the only way to do it yeah no i mean i understand that if that's as long as it's not the default position that's that's a a big thing with me like i built um just like just quick story so kilo is like my default starter app for everything so like if Mm i it's very simple it's almost like it's almost like my to-do list app so i test every new like if i'm gonna if i'm gonna try and build an angular app i'm gonna rebuild kilo with angular if i'm gonna try and uh, use node or learn yeah i'm gonna use that as my default app because it's got everything I need to um, to give a framework a good tire kicking. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I took a progressive enhancement approach to it and, and it works 100% without JavaScript. So the web app. So go through the whole thing. You know, you can... You can use it... With, it has some JavaScript like on a page basis to, you know, kind of make input selections easier and drop down list type of thing. 
but you can shut off JavaScript and it works just fine. Yeah. So um, the and where that becomes so that's cool if your goal is massive the the widest possible reach then if you say like all right well i want to for example wrap that in phone gap and submit it to ios you can't do it because ios won't let you bounce around between different pages you have to create a single page app mm-hmm. so then it's like all right uh, what do i do do i put in it basically an index page in front of it that hijacks all of the links and does Ajax calls to just essentially, <laughs> essentially return. Um, yeah. It's a big, it would be doing the exact same thing, but not changing the URL and the address bar. Mm-hmm. And they would probably not approve that. So then it's like, all right, so now, now what do I do now? I have to write a, a, a uh, it's basically a JavaScript, a new JavaScript app that um, either, you know, pulls data from these pages or retrieves these pages as JSON instead of HTML or, you know, goes straight to the API that goes behind it. Or, And if I want to, you know, so I guess this is partially Apple's fault because I could submit it to the Android Play Store, mm-hmm. a Google Play Store, but, um, and you can submit it to Firefox Marketplace, but if you want to be in, I, in iTunes, which of course everyone does if they're submitting native apps somewhere, then I basically have to rewrite the whole thing using either Objective-C or JavaScript and PhoneGap type of approach. So that's where people would, that's where people will sort of, that's the devil's advocate against my thing because essentially I'm building a lot of the application twice. Right, right, yeah. To gain that reach. Yeah. And in fact, the app I was just talking about initially was going to be Okay, we'll put this up on the web, and then we'll wrap it in PhoneGap and also submit it to the App Store. Yep. Is this the one you use Knockout for? Yeah, uh, the one I used Knockout for, and then and then wanted to knock myself out every time <laughs> I had to. I'm, I'm, that's that's gone now. So yeah, but yeah, yeah. So you know, again, it's just like a question of of questioning your default position and really mm-hmm. decide making an informed decision about. Like I am going to do a client-side only JavaScript application because of these goals, and that's the easiest thing for me to do, or that's the thing that's going to reach the most people, or the nature of the application is that it's only going to be launched from the home screen of an iOS device, so I know I only have to concentrate on that. There are plenty of mitigating circumstances, but uh, I, I would urge people to at least be conscious of the decisions that they're making when they're making these kinds of decisions. So that's all the rant I have, really. <laughs> it wasn't a long one. Do you feel better, though? Uh, I do feel a little bit better. That's I feel good. a little more fair and balanced when I say it out loud. That's good. Less ranty than when I just tweet <laughs> viciously into the internet. <laughs> yeah. Just like, you know, something on the internet is wrong. <laughs> I know. It is kind of... the night. So, not that this matters, but the good thing about like a really you know tweeting a really obnoxious one-sided uh statement with with no explanation Mm -hmm. is that uh a you immediately learn who your friends are like who who people who think exactly like you and kind of get it and you also get oftentimes you get a lot of really reasonable you get a couple of people who are like you're a jerk which is fine and you get some people who are like well what do you mean and yeah. and you kind of like talk through it and uh it's it's it can be very enlightening in fact 
I've had yeah. a couple of those. That didn't happen in this case, but no. it definitely has happened in the past. So Twitter is a good thing, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> Bad developer. <laughs> Back to your basement. Yeah, my collar just zapped me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I haven't got that's all I've got. Yeah, I mean I'm 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 the same way and I've I've I mean I, I think I probably in the past tended to to just sort of default to default to jQuery and that kind of stuff a little a little more um readily than you do and it's you know it's something I, I'm kinda of re examining it lately because you know, like like you said, there's there's times when you stop and think about it that it's you know it's yeah I really don't really don't need this this level of browser support. It depends you know it depends entirely on what you're doing. Um, this is my ramble. I'll follow up your rant with my ramble. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean the there's a project I'm working on right now, uh, a, a large project, and we're we're doing things where. In the past, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'll pull in this plugin to do such and such, or I'll add this library to do such and such. But, like, every time you want to have a new P- a new library added you know, to your code, like, there's 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 hoops we have to jump through. Mm. And I'm just like, and so I, I, I tend to, to sort of not kind of default to those as quickly as I would have on, on maybe another project, and just, and I end up sort of writing in a lot of that functionality myself. And it's almost always um, less code and not a lot of extra overhead on my part. So, right, kind of make me realize that oh, I'm you know I'm in a way it feels like reinventing the wheel because I'm duplicating functionality that someone else out there has already written, but I'm also doing it in a way that's that's streamlined and tailored specifically to the thing I'm building. So, right, right. It's like we we've both had this experience multiple times where. Um, you include a plugin because it gives you like 80% of the functionality that you want, but then you have to modify it. Mm-hmm. And the effort of modifying a plugin can be easily as much work as just having written it from scratch. And it's <laughs> right. And it's a very, it's an, an awful feeling. It's, it's a horrible feeling. Like to have to modify a plugin. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, you're feels, just in this it, constant yeah. debugging journey of reading somebody else's code. And yeah, it's like, you're, you're not creating a solution. You're hacking together bits of stuff to make it work. Right. And so the, and there are, and the other, the plugins thing is, is a great point to bring up because if you're including jQuery, you're almost certainly slapping in a half a dozen plugins. And uh, if you do that, that can be fine, but uh, often, and I think you've had this experience, uh, the plugins aren't as cross-platform friendly as jQuery itself. They're not. They're not, and it's there's no quality control on plugins. Right. So and jQuery jQuery is written by a team of incredibly smart people, and the plugin the plugin maybe. But it may not be too. So, <laughs> right, and they'll claim like, "Oh, this is responsive," but they only tested it on iOS or whatever. Right. So there's that. Um, then there, and so there, that's two things. One is if if the plugin doesn't do exactly what you want and you have to hack it, that's a very dirty thing. Uh, if, if the plugin basically doesn't, the plugin might not actually get you what what you. The reason that you included jQuery, the plugin might kind of subvert that by not mm-hmm. being truly cross-platform. 
That's the second thing. And the third thing is there can be, um, uh, well, there's the network request thing. So you've got like a whole bunch of network right. requests, but you can solve that by concatenating them. Oh, yes. And, and I just, I found out this, this week how to do that with CodeKit. Yes, that was a good little, good little aside tip. The CodeKit can do that for you. So that's good to know. But uh, yeah, so you can, solve the, you can solve the network request problem. Uh, but the last thing, which is a, a big deal, is that um, you, I've seen this a lot where you, uh, somebody includes a bunch of plugins or a bunch of JavaScript libraries, and they're not all necessarily jQuery and jQuery related. They might also mm -hmm. have like, like class with a K and like a photo swipe or some kind of other like weird combinations of libraries, like a mapping library or processing or who knows what, like, and you get these weird incompatibilities between the libraries where they're just, they were written assuming they were the only JavaScript on the page. Right. And, um, and, and they just can step on each other and create these bizarre bugs that, that, that again, get you back into this dirty, like I'm debugging somebody else's code and it could take you a week and then find out that it doesn't, that it can't be done without yeah. rewriting yeah. one of the, it can't be done. Yeah. It's, it's super annoying. And I think another thing uh, worth mentioning is that a lot of times you're adding, you're adding a lot of unnecessary bulk because okay maybe maybe you want a, a a a carousel plugin, and or you want a carousel type functionality, which <clears throat> you're, you're crazy anyway. But um, <laughs> Brad's Brad's totally yeah. Convinced Brad hates that. carousels. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I drank Kool Aid on that. Yeah, having a car <laughs> and his logic is that having a carousel means you you have not you have not trimmed your content down enough. Yeah, yeah. It's the same. It's the same with the grid. It's same it's with like, having a grid. Yeah, it's like you're you're fooling yourself. We yeah. want to fit more stuff in this bag, so let's just hide it in a carousel. It's yeah. like well, <laughs> and, and fool ourselves into thinking people will look at it. Right. Anyway. But anyway, yeah, you know, so maybe you find a plugin that gives you the functionality you want. Which is, is maybe all well and good, but then there's a the fact that the plugin also does this, 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 and this that you have no interest in. Mm, right. <laughs> and you can easily enough not use that not use that additional functionality, but you still have to download the code for it. Yeah, and if you have and if you want to modify it, you gotta read through it. Right. Like more and code it can, it can still conflict and yeah. Yeah, less code is better. That's a, I mean, that's my new my new Stark's law, less code is better. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, that's and there's the the Stark's law of earbuds. Oh, did you see that? On Twitter, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter how many times you check your coat pocket, the earbuds hide. It's like a, it's like a feature. Like Schrodinger's earbuds. Yeah. What was it that if you ever have earbuds? If you ever right, if, if you ever put earbuds in a coat, and you ever put your coat in the laundry. Your earbuds will always end up in the laundry. Yeah, yeah, we'll always wash your earbuds, laundry your earbuds. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, less less is more, and I think <clears throat> I think the the I think really just just write as little code and as little markup and as little CSS as as you need. <laughs> right. Yeah. Learn JavaScript. It's not going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there's deadlines and not everybody's at the same place on the learning curve. And I certainly used plenty of jQuery UI in the past, for example. But, uh, you know, 
it's not going to kill you if you if you if you're like you know I can't find exactly what I'm looking for in the plugins. Uh, I'm going to write one and use jQuery fine. Use jQuery and then write your own plugin or something like that. But um, you know it's 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 all about the defaults. All right, so that's our show for this week, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye. Bye.